the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. And hello again. Welcome to Counterculture. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lisa. How are you this fine Christmas season? I, you know, I'm doing well. Are you swamped? I love this, I love this season, though. Yeah, yes, you are. Of course, everybody's swamped. swamped. Yeah. But I love it. You I love, love it. all the festivities and the busyness and, yeah. So I'm... Tend to hold off on Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. I have a very strict policy about that. Oh, see, I even like Christmas in July. Sometimes. You do. You're edgy. That's really edgy or crazy. One of those two. Both. Can both. it be both? <laughs> Credgy. Credgy. There we go. Crazy, edgy. I, li- I like and, Credgy. right? Not or, right? And. <laughs> so, but but I have. I went all 70s on the way to the studio today. You did? I've, I've just been in, I, it's been I, half this year so I've been. who's your favorite? Well, I've been singing The Greatest American Hero. Believe it or not, I'm walking on in. I'm not even going to try to ever sing I a never, song. I love it. You, right, <laughs> you got so? it. Really? I have just ended my musical career with my sing- <laughs> <laughs> singing. I don't propose to sing, but. I, I, was, I sing loud in the car. That was actually good. <laughs> I, so you're walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. There, well, here we are. Here we stepping Flying away in a wing and a prayer. I'm just going to say the poetry of that song. I know, right? It is poetry. We are absolutely ignoring our wonderful guests who are here in studio. And they're it's, amazing. I can't wait to dive in and hear these stories. Yes. Already but we got a teaser. I'm done with my song. I think we should meet our guests. And I, first off, my brother from another mother here, Andy Myers. How are you doing? Fantastic. Good to have you, Andy. Thank you so and much. And Deanna. Nice to be here. Diana. Deanna. Deanna. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I want to make it right. So we're, we're so glad you can be here. So at, this is Christmas season where it's festive, but we're always, we're always about peace. We're Absolutely. a show about finding and hearing the stories. And we've got some great stories going on here. And so I, rather than kind of the, the introductions, per se. Let's hear your. We want to hear your story. Okay, so my name is Diana. Mm-hmm. I'm currently a student at Grand Canyon University. Okay, um, what are you studying? So I'm a double major. Oh. So one of them is government with an emphasis in legal studies. Okay, and then it's justice studies. So those are two, both my majors. Wow. Um, I have a future goal of becoming an attorney out at some point. Oh, okay. So that is where I'm at. But my family migrated to the United States when I was just four years old in 2007. And we've been here ever since. Um, my parents decided to come over to give me the future that I deserve, a better future where I can go to school, become someone that they could never think of becoming themselves back home in Mexico. And ever since, they've worked to get me where I'm at. 
My mom has worked over 40 hours a week ever since we've been here. Oh, um, my. My dad has two nonstop. Also, I could have be at college right now. Um, currently at GCU, I am studying completely covered, so full ride, both room and board because I am an RA there as well as um, as well as education because I did get private scholarships. I bet you have some stories as an RA. So I was a I was an RA at ASU. So I think we, we have a com- we have a camaraderie I think here. Your stories are a bit. Harsher than mine. <laughs> Probably. With, uh, with two kids in college, I don't want to hear any of those right now. <laughs> no, you don't want to know. No, I just don't want to know. <laughs> Let's just say I saw things that are not suitable for Christian talk radio. <laughs> Some crazy stuff went down. <laughs> but no, yeah, like it's been a pathway getting to where I'm at right now. Um, I always knew I was undocumented here. So ever since I was in high school, middle school, all of that, I knew. But it didn't really hit me until... Middle school. That was when my dad got arrested for the first time. Wow. And it was a traffic stop, basically. So rather than doing a full stop, he did a half stop because um, the light was red and he was coming out of a 7-Eleven. So it was like, it's a free go. But initially it was just the half spot. Mm-hmm. So he got mm. detained. And that's when my whole life kind of just took a turn. And I didn't know what was going to happen to me and my mom. It was just us two now. Like, how would we able to sustain it all? Because my dad paid most of the bills. My mom took care of me. Like, how was things going to go? Thankfully, and thanks to God, a miracle, I would say, a week later, he was released and back into our custody. Um, wow. And it was ever since he got a work permit, and we just continue in life. And then it didn't hit again until high school. So I was... The whole time, like ever since to high to that point, my life was kind of in a, I don't know where I'm at in life. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. And I was raised Catholic, and my catechism teacher was always telling me, like, read the book of Job. Yeah. Read it. Read it. <laughs> and me being a teenager, stubborn, I didn't until one day I decided to pick it up. I think this was around my junior year in high school because I was like, what's my future? What's going on? Why are they telling me so much to read this this um, book and I did and that's when I realized like the reason why so much of my life I have been put in different obstacles and different like ways of viewing lives in a hardship was because God was just testing me Mm. Um, he was like if you keep going in life just having it easy you're not really growing as a person Mm -hmm. so he kept testing me and then senior year hit I wanted to go to college and I was like I'm going to college my professors were like, you could do it. You have a good grade. So you have perfect, like you're a good student. My counselor, though, on the other hand, she was like, good luck getting into college. You'd have to pay international fees. That's if they accept you. And scholarships, you might not even get any. How encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for believing in me. But it was encouraging to me because I, was, I always thought back to Job. I was like, this, right. this is my guide of saying no. But in reality, it's a go for it. Right. So I researched and I looked and I looked, found the scholarship. So I you're had. in high school I at was. this point? Yes, okay. I'm in high school. Okay. I'm in my senior year. I researched. I found the scholarships. I found organizations that helped me apply for these scholarships and continue to pursue it and going. And at the end of my graduation, I got a COVID hit, unfortunately. And I had already applied to my scholarship and I had already been accepted to GCU. But I had not known I got my scholarship. And that's when I also found out I graduated sixth of my class in high school. Mm, Um, Good for you. Yeah. So it was something that out of our school was small. I'm from Tucson. So 
schools aren't as big as here in Phoenix. So it was out of a 300 class, I was sixth. Mm. And um, I found out, I remember finding out that I got the scholarship to pay my whole education. And that was kind of a release for me and my mom. Because when do you hear of a person who's undocumented get a full ride to a college? Mm. You normally hear these students from citizens, these stories from citizens or from people who actually have a means to pay for FAFSA or have means to apply to more scholarships because while we are a huge community, the people that actually want to give and help us pursue our careers are so small, like minimal that the scholarships are so competitive. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like yeah. It's very mm-hmm. competitive. And because I, before I had received that scholarship, I had been rejected about eight. Mm-hmm. So I had always, I was like, okay, we're going to end up paying 16000 at GCU, mom. Yeah. You're doing this. <laughs> and then I got the scholarship and it was kind of like a sign from God saying, like, you didn't give up on me, so here you go. Wow. And that's how it felt. Like, even with Job, he was like, at the end of the story, he didn't get, like, he got back, of, mm-hmm. like, what he wanted. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how my story went. Mm-hmm. And now I've been here at GCU for three years. This is my third year. And I'm still trying to pursue further education afterwards. Um, my parents are always in mind because they're the reason why. Like, they migrated, they suffered, come to a country where they didn't know the language. They didn't know, like, where to start, where to work, but they managed to be here, make a successful life, and now I'm here. Wow. So behind your, your parents, go, just going back to your parents' decision, so they, are they looking for, like, they're in a situation where they just didn't have the opportunity to do certain things? Or, like, it's... Extreme? Were they in danger? Was there was there extreme poverty? Was it, what what was the situation? So my family's from Ciudad Obregón, Sonora, Mexico. Mm-hmm. In 2021, it was known to be the second most dangerous city. And back when they moved in 2007, statistics were different. But they knew that if they were to stay there, it would have been harder to be able to pay for my schooling to be able mm-hmm. to go forward. Yeah. Um, my mom, my dad moved here before um, my mom because he had me and my half sister. So he worked to pay for both of them as well as his mom. Mm. So he came over here to just make enough money to be able to support all of us. Because in there, it's kind of hard to get a good paying job. Um, my mom, on the other hand, she worked two jobs just to take care of me mm. and my grandparents because I loved my grandparents at that time. Mm-hmm. So she was rarely home right. because she worked so much trying to just afford to make means for us. And, and I think they just were thinking about the future in a sense. Mm. Um, like right now, my little cousin, she's in Mexico, got her first job. She's getting $5 a day mm. yeah, for working a good, like a good amount of time. And my mom's like, don't work. Focus on school. Let yeah. me send you the money. Yeah. But then she's, she's willing to do that. But my aunt said no because she has to work. And that's the thing over there. Like it's so hard to make a good living that it becomes in the future, it's going to become harder. And yeah. they migrated my dad migrated to be able to pay for my family and be able to support us. My mom then came over to be with my dad and then be able to make me have the future that they wish they could have had or they wish for me. Because my mom did want to go to school. She did want to go to college. She mm-hmm. did want to become – she actually wanted to become a radio host at one point. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say we are so proud of you, first of all, just listening to your story and who you are. And there's so many things I would love to just kind of pull apart in here because your parents – I think that's a desire, being a parent myself, you want to be able to provide for your kids. Mm-hmm. You want to give them 
is safety. You want to give them a roof over their head. You want to give them the education. You want to you want to help them thrive. And so, you know, kudos to your parents. Like this is what you know. This for them. That's what it looked like for them to for their kids. Mm-hmm. And it's you know generational impact that they're having. But then for you. I want to ask, you know, like you said, it was really hard, you know, and and there are different phases in your life, you know, middle school and, you know, these different things. And even a counselor, you know, saying it's going to be really hard, trying to discourage you, but actually she gave you a gift because it motivated you, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. gifts come in. Um, you know, unwelcoming packages or right or, or unrecognizable packages. I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas. What? Some tough love. Oh, there we go. Uh, okay, this is not <laughs> constructive criticism. Let me tell there you what's go. wrong. Motivated. I'm building character. Oh, there. It's Merry motivating Christmas. Me. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so it's. You know, what's so beautiful is, like, your resilience. And I think that's really – and it's just – I wish people could see your face as you were talking because your eyes were tearing up. And mm. I know this is so personal. And um, I just want to reach across the table and hug you and just say thank you for being who you are and allowing God to use you. But I want to ask you a question because you, you use the word undocumented several times. I'm, an, I'm undocumented. Our family is undocumented. How did that inform you and having a label? Because I don't think people realize we put labels on people, undocumented dreamers, mm-hmm. um, you know, an immigrant. And we, we don't even understand what it means, mm-hmm. but we put it on people. We put labels on people. They then have the burden of caring. Mm-hmm. And I think we tend to see like immigration dreamers undocumented through the lens of politics mm-hmm. and not through the human lens. And what we're trying to do on counterculture and in, even with peacemaking, Amplify Peace, is how do we see the human heart mm. and the human in, in the dignity of every human being? Tell us what that label and what is – what it, teach us what is a dreamer? Like when somebody uses the term dreamer, what is a dreamer? So dreamers are mainly kids who migrated with their parents to the United States and have stayed here. They're also known to be like overachievers like Mm. we try our hardest we keep going pushing and about 95 percent of us are either in school or working and now within the dreamer labels we have undocumented or documented so documented are individuals who have daca they are the ones who managed to get deferred action for early childhood arrival when it was open and when they were accepting initial applications now the undocumented side are the students who one did not qualify or two did not we're not able to uh, get it. and But they've been here their whole life. They lived here and were raised. And like me, I am undocumented. Well, I don't have DACA. I applied. Unfortunately, it closed in 2001 um, with Judge the Ninth Circuit. was like, nope, no new applications. And my papers were just there in limbo. Um, so, mm-hmm. But being a dreamer is the idea that most of us just want to succeed in life. We want to be out there. We want to do great things in the world. It's just a label that really doesn't define most of us. Well, it's in the back of our mind because of our legal situation, the political situation. It We are still humans in one whole. Mm-hmm. It's just what people want to call us to separate us from the rest. Mm-hmm. Because, like, for example, yes, I am undocumented, but I am still a person. I still mm-hmm. want to achieve goals like everyone else. Like, I still want to help. I still hang out with my friends. Um, it just... The difference is for some people, undocumented is a nicer way than calling them illegals. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're just humans. We're not either or. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's such a good challenge because we do, we just flippantly 
use these words, but we don't realize how they stick to people and and the the harm in them, right? Because it's it's defining and it divides, mm-hmm. like you said. Some of these words really divide and connect us from the heart of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want people to know about about you? Like, um, just like see you. Like, what what do you want them to know? Like, besides any labels. Not just about me, but about any person in my situation. We never wish the worst for anyone. We just want to keep going, pursuing, doing the best we can in this community. Uh, most of us just want to create a unity in the community. We want to like bring more people together, um, work together to make the better. Like, I guess most people argue that we want to t- t- like take away on the economic system, but we actually, most of us want to work. Mm-hmm. We want to mm-hmm. be able to provide. We want to do our taxes. We want to be able to vote and have a say in politics. We are not just someone that does nothing. We're not lazy like some people have named us, like I said before, wow. like 95% of working or s- studying. Like we want to be people like in the future. We want to make an impact at some point and help individuals just like every other person sometimes wants to do. Mm. Mm. You know, we're in this Christmas season. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. And when Jesus came to give peace on earth, Mm -hmm. this word peace, you know, it's really personal to me, being a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, a peacemaker. But this word peace, can you tell us, do you live with peace when you're talking about this? Like you're even sharing the situation, your dad getting arrested Mm -hmm. for not coming to a complete stop and the disruption in your family over that. There's got to be some trauma in there, like thinking any moment something could happen. Mm -hmm. Talk about peace. I'm a person. I don't live with peace. Um, for example, I don't drive because of the fear that I could get arrested mm-hmm. in my whole career can just end mm-hmm. right here and there. Um, working is very hard to find a job and be able to like help my parents ease the stress from sending me money or from being able to like use a little, like save a little bit of their own money or for me to be able to save for law school in the future um, is another thing that I do live on with stress. But at the same time. While my peace, inner peace, isn't always there, I do have, I still have the hope to give peace to others. Mm-hmm. I always try to, like I said, I'm an RA. I always mm-hmm. try to make sure like everyone's happy, everyone's doing their own thing. Um, they have the resources they get. I'm a big like, in high school when I did find my own resources, the first thing I did was go to my counselors like, here's these scholarships. Share with anyone you may know who's mm-hmm. in the same situation. So I'm just well. I live with this constant fear at times of being stopped and then deported or going to a country where I have no idea how it is over there besides the fact that it's the second most dangerous in the world kind of scares me in a sense because I'm just like, what's going to happen with my life? So I don't live with constant peace. I try to make it for others mm-hmm. in order for them not to suffer a little bit and fear what like, I have. Mm. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's, uh, that default of that that anything something bad could happen at any given time is so can be foreign to so many people that we can we don't understand that reality. And and I know in certain times in my life I've had that fear that something bad was about to happen. I couldn't mm-hmm. trust and just for, uh, uh, just tasted it. But to have a life, uh, you know, when so much of your life, adult life, is defined by that, like. Don't get you know we, when you see a cop car, do you do you flinch? Mm-hmm. I mean, or you know, um, I know people who are traumatized by that. And it might not, I'm not saying they're 
bad cops. I'm not saying that at all. But their experience or something that's happened, like your, if your father got arrested for a, a silly traffic violation and that how that over, you know, through your family, I mean, that's, that is a powerful and it's important that we understand that, it really. Realities, the, of, realities of that, that you situation. live with that we don't, yeah. right? And that's the whole thing is how do we have these conversations and listen to each other so we can hear this. Andy, I want to ask you. Yes. Explain a little bit because as, as I'm listening, as we're listening to, to her story, um, you go, okay, how can we change perceptions? How mm. can we change laws? Mm. Like how can we make a difference and how can we support this and and help other people see the human side to this and what it's doing. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what you see from your perspective. Because I love your you've stepped into this very messy space. Very very messy. <laughs> well, I have first been just sitting here in awe of your story. And when in, like you said, we the audience can't see here, but you see the tears brimming mm-hmm. during different parts. But there's also this resiliency mm-hmm. and hope, and that there's going to be a better future. And so that's where where I want to step in is to be one of those champions and advocates for that better future. Mm-hmm. So there's some very tangible ways that we can get involved. Um, and first of all, you have to like take it out of the political first because we seem to default there right now. Absolutely. Whether it's far left, far right, mid right, who cares? These are people. These are humans. These are kids. Mm-hmm. So we have to take it out of the political but yet engage in the political because that's where the, the laws and that's where the, the system is going to change. And so I've been involved uh, in work in uh, immigration advocacy with uh, Bibles, Badges, and Business for Immigration Reform with the National Immigration Forum for a few years now. And you find that is a, it is a slog, but a hopeful slog. Um, one of the things that we are in right now is an opportunity for something to get done. Now, one of Arizona senators, uh, Senator Kirsten Cinema, has been working with a Republican uh, senator from North Carolina, uh, Senator Tillis, on a bipartisan border solution that will have a lot of border security, but also a path for dreamers. And so what we're asking is we're going to put the links in the notes mm-hmm. in places like that is is not call and just like demand something or like I want this or I want that, but call and thank, Kirsten, thank Senator Cinema for her work in being able to work across aisles, work across and do something bipartisan, because that's really the way that this is going to be solved. So just a phone call. It takes a, a few minutes, and we'll send you the link to make it really easy. But the more that we can encourage our politicians, the more that, there's, that they're going to do, because they will listen to their constituents. And um, and it's just uh, – I feel a very hopeful time, especially with the, the passing of Prop 308 here in Arizona. Now, even if you didn't vote for that, uh, we, we love you. And you're going to see some amazing things happen because of these kids. I, I don't know how many millions of dollars will be able to stay here in Arizona because you have allowed uh, these students to get their e- education here. And so thank you for that. Remind, remind me 308 again. 308 gives dreamers and DACA recipients – in-state tuition. So they're still paying for college like like my kids do and everybody else's do, but it allows them because they were going to go off anywhere. So they're going to go up to other colleges and other states. And typically, you know what happens? You go to a state, you fall in love with somebody, you fall in love with that state. And so you stay there. So you're an engineer there. You're an engineer somewhere else. You're a doctor somewhere else. But this keeps Arizona kids in Arizona because we love them and we want them to be here. Mm. So um, that's what Prop 308 and the passing of it did for okay. Arizona's kids. Wow. So good. Because I think there's something we can all do. Like, how do we even amplify voices? Or how do we have conversations that are different? So if somebody brings up and talks about 
undocumented people. We can go, hey, let's let's, let's take a step back. Yeah. You know, when you use that term, here's how it can be heard, right? And I know a, I know a face to that mm-hmm. term, right? And the, again, how do we point people in the direction of the human side to this? And how do we love like Jesus and Jesus saw all people? And how do we just love them? And, and I, your heart and your determination mm. and what you're going to do. And you're going to – from your life experience, what you said you're majoring in double major. It's like, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you you want to step in and make the world a better place. And we need more people like yes. you. Yeah. And just remind – I mean the book of Job itself had – there's the start and the end. But the whole middle is people falsely judging. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember the, the – are we those people – who are looking at a situation from the outside and said, oh, it must be because of something you've done. Good point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a really danger. And so especially if we put on the counterculture eyes and really see, like, what is God doing here? God's brought an amazing <laughs> woman to GCU who could be a great kingdom advocate for justice mm-hmm. and for helping people who are in vulnerable situations. I mean, amen to that. Amen. So thank sure. you for sharing your story. This has been super encouraging for our audience and it's national – do they go to National Immigration Forum for – Nationalimmigrationforum.org, and mm-hmm. then we'll put the link in there. But it's a, a phone to action. And so oh. you can literally call, um, email. It will give you the script to say. And what happens is these – you make the call. You send the email. It gets logged into um, their offices with their staffers, and then that gets presented to them on a daily, weekly basis. And the more ground swell that we can hear. And also, if you're a if you are a church leader or a pastor, um, I can put my email address in the notes as well. But if you want to send me just a quote that says why you support this here in Arizona, that would go a long way. Mm-hmm. Good. Andy, Deanna, thank you so much for being on our show. This has been a great blessing and Merry Christmas. It's my pleasure. Merry Christmas to you all. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace. Educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.